Welcome to another podcast from the Royal College of Psychiatrists. My name is Raj Basord and I'm a consultant psychiatrist at the Bethlehem Royal and Maudsley Hospitals in South London. Today we're talking to Professor Peter Woodruff, who's a professor of psychiatry at Sheffield University, and he leads a group that have published a very interesting paper entitled The Neurocognitive Basis of Insight in Schizophrenia, and this has been published in the June issue of the British Journal of Psychiatry. So, Peter, let's start off by asking you a bit about um, insight. What do people mean by the term insight, specifically perhaps when they're referring to illnesses like schizophrenia? Well, insight is almost a defining feature of psychosis uh, in that it's profoundly uh, lacking in those who develop psychosis. They uh, become unaware of the fact that they're ill and uh, they uh, also misattribute their symptoms to perhaps psychotic explanations. And there's also some evidence that uh, prefrontal function is important uh, in the ability to have insight, and uh, uh, particularly in, in conditions like schizophrenia where there is uh, frontal lobe dysfunction, hypofrontality responsible for some of the negative symptomatology of schizophrenia uh, there is uh, often profound lack of insight. So you seem to be saying there's a link between certain parts of brain function and insight and when you refer to the frontal lobes you're talking about the parts of the brain near the front of the brain and they're linked with planning and judgment. That's correct and uh, uh, particularly this issue of uh, being able to solve problems and uh, uh, tasks that require what's called working memory, the ability to keep information online, uh, uh, which is necessary to undertake uh, everyday tasks and also necessary to uh, plan uh, and make uh, um, sequenced um, activities in a planned and uh, well-judged manner. So this is about the idea that when people lose insight in illnesses like schizophrenia, we're trying to understand what underpins that loss of insight, what cognitive dysfunction could account for it. That's right, and uh, uh, in this paper we were particularly interested in uh, particular executive functioning um, as uh, probed using a, a task called the Wisconsin Card Sorting Test. And we're also interested in uh, working memory, which is not only probed using the same task, but also a, a, another task called the Hopkins Verbal Learning Test. But the Wisconsin card sorting te test is, uh, is a complex task, but it's one that's been used uh, extensively in schizophrenia research and also neuroimaging research. And we know that it, uh, uh, it requires... Uh, uh, this prefrontal cortical function and um, certainly is a good neuropsychological probe of executive function and requires problem-solving and working memory. You've used the word executive function. What do you mean by that term? Well, these are, these are functions that um, are part of uh, planning and uh, the ability to really um, perform uh, everyday tasks in, a, in an executive way, in a properly planned way. And uh, for, uh, for the Wisconsin card sort test, uh, there are three 
sets of cards uh, defined or matched by three different rules, either the number of on the card, the uh, or the number of symbols on the card, the shape of the symbols on the card, or the color of the symbols on the card. And these are presented uh, sequentially, and the participant has to um, judge based on the pattern recognition uh, which uh, associations are between uh, the subsequent cards. And then the rule changes and they have to pick up on this and the quicker they pick up on the change of rule uh, uh, that connects the, uh, the different cards the, the better they are. Uh, if however they uh, persist in um, uh, making judgments about the association between the cards when the rule has changed um, that uh, indicates a degree of perseveration which is uh, sticking to uh, a previous response when a subsequent response is required. So they're given an instruction in terms of sorting these cards. In other words, they must put um, certain cards in certain places, and then the instruction changes. And one of the issues is whether they can adapt to this change. That's right. So uh, the cards may be all of the same, have, have all the same number of symbols on them, uh, so in which case the association is the number, uh, or the cards may uh, have different numbers of symbols, but they may all be the same shape, uh, cross or square or triangle, um, in which case the association is the shape, um, or they may be all the same color, in which case they can be different shapes and have different numbers of symbols, but they're all the same color. So that's the Wisconsin card sorting test, and what's that meant to be a test of in terms of brain function? Is it, is it testing a particular part of the brain, like the frontal lobe? Yes, it's, uh, uh, it's thought from the, when, when this has been applied to, uh, to people during scanning uh, studies, which uh, assesses the blood flow changes in the brain associated with these tests, uh, that essentially prefrontal cortical function seems to activate in response to performing this task. And it's this area that also seems to be diminished in those patients who have negative symptoms of schizophrenia, and possibly it's also under, it underlies the lack of insight. Or it, it, diminished prefrontal function underlies lack of insight, which we see in schizophrenia. So you gave um, a group of patients with schizophrenia the Wisconsin card sorting test. Did you do any other testing as well? Yes, well, um, of course we wanted to um, test their level of insight on the basis that um, the, there's evidence that insight can be um, subdivided into groups who are completely unaware of being ill uh, groups who are aware of illness but incorrectly attribute their symptoms um, to some sort of psychotic process uh, or are aware of their illness but correctly attribute their symptoms to the illness. And so we uh, tested uh, a series of patients, 56 patients in total, uh, on the David schedule for assessment of insight which uh, allowed us to um, uh, derive or divide up the patient groups according to whether they were uh, they belonged to one of these three 
uh, define groups who, uh, who, who lacked insight. In other words, the unaware group, the aware group who were incorrect attributors, uh, and the aware group who were correct attributors. So um, this notion that you, it's not helpful just to divide people with schizophrenia into those who either have insight or don't have an insight is quite important, isn't it? In other words, there are gradations of insight, and there's different qualitative aspects to insight in terms of whether people accept there's a problem or accept it's a medical problem or even a psychiatric problem. Yes, well, um, there's a component of insight which I haven't mentioned, and that's the behavioural compliance or treatment uh, adherence uh, issue, which uh, we didn't really uh, investigate uh, directly because we were interested in in this aspect of the ability to uh, correctly or incorrectly attribute symptoms and whether those two groups who... uh, uh, who were aware of, of illness differed in their cognitive ability from those who were unaware of illness. Um, and uh, there's, uh, well, our, our, our results bore out the fact that there were some important cognitive difference between those groups. What were the results? Well, what we, what we did methodologically, first of all, was to... Um, as I say, uh, 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 we did the uh, insight assessments. Uh, we, we were able then to, uh, out of the 56 patients, uh, divide them up into um, 18 patients who were unaware of their illness. So they had low awareness and um, relabeling of symptom measures. Then there were 14 patients who were aware of illness but incorrectly attributed their symptoms, so they had a high awareness score and low relabeling score. And uh, we had 24 patients who were aware of being ill who correctly attributed their symptoms, so they had high awareness and high relabeling scores. And uh, those three groups, they were all... um, assessed for demographics. We had uh, 51 males uh, in the total sample, five females. The mean age was 35 years. Uh, They'd been ill for 10 and a half years on average, which is fairly standard for these sorts of uh, uh, studies in schizophrenia. It indicates the chronicity of the condition. their mean years of education was 12.2 years, and their mean IQ was 105.4, which is uh, uh, relatively high. And all but five patients were on antipsychotic medication. Um, and uh, there was no significant difference, statistically significant difference, in those measures between the three groups. And that's important because uh, IQ differences could affect the um, performance on the uh, Wisconsin card sort and other um, tests that we performed. So what would you say is a take-home message from your paper? What we found was that um, on the Wisconsin card sort test there were more perseverative errors in the unaware group than the other two groups who showed awareness of illness. Um, And uh, also for the Hopkins verbal learning test 
there was no statistically significant difference between the groups, but there was what we call a trend level where um, the uh, statistics approached uh, significance uh, of a difference in working memory between the aware group and the unaware groups. So in other words, awareness of illness appeared to be associated with um, except, uh, difficulties with executive function, in other words, difficulties with this problem-solving and working memory that uh, I discussed earlier. And what do you think the implications of that are in terms of our understanding of what's cognitively going on when people are having problems with insight? Well, it indicates that um, these sorts of problem-solving abilities are necessary uh, to be fully um, aware of being ill and being able to appropriately attribute symptoms. And uh, uh, presumably in order to do this, you, uh, you do require a degree of working memory to keep uh, your memory of symptoms uh, online in order to compare them with some sort of concept of mental illness. Um, the therapeutic implications of, of this finding is that uh, that those who um, have awareness of illness but incorrectly attribute their symptoms to psychotic phenomena uh, have relatively preserved uh, cognitive function on the tests we performed and therefore might uh, be amenable to, to engage in uh, psychoeducation uh, which might help them more correctly attribute their symptoms in the future. So it indicates that there are uh, a subgroup of incorrect attributors um, in the patients who um, have the cognitive capacity, if you like, to um, engage in some sort of psychoeducational program. So you think it's possible that if people worked on these cognitive deficits, you might see a corresponding increase in insight? In other words, you don't necessarily have to work directly on an insight. You need to work at the underpinnings, the cognitive underpinnings of insight in order to, to produce some improvements in insight. Well, I mean, first of all, it indicates that um, those who lack insight um, aren't uniform in having cognitive deficits. Uh, and there are some who are more likely to respond to some form of psychoeducational program because they don't appear to have such profound cognitive deficits. So they would be the, perhaps the subgroup to uh, work on first, uh, with such psychoeducational programs. But as you say, it does also indicate that perhaps we need to be thinking about uh, other ways in which we can improve the cognitive difficulties that, that those who are profoundly unaware of illness and, uh, and lack insight the most require. Isn't there a possible criticism <laughs> of your paper, which is that you seem to be thinking that your results lead to a conclusion about a link between insight and cognitive deficits. But a more straightforward interpretation is that all you're basically measuring is a kind of illness severity um, effect, and that very, very ill people 
tend to have a loss of insight and also tend to have um, these cognitive deficits. So there's a more straightforward explanation, isn't there, that what this is really about is illness severity and not the specific link you're drawing between um, insight and particular cognitive deficits. Well, um, that's always possible that this is just an association, but I think the general thinking about insight is that uh, it's... Um, uh, it's multi-dimensional in a sense, and uh, I've mentioned the, the behavioral aspect, which appears to be somewhat uh, less directly related to this um, awareness or unawareness of illness. Um, and we've further shown evidence that um, being able to attribute um, symptoms to um, illness as opposed to psychotic phenomena um, is a subgroup within the the general uh, group of patients with schizophrenia who lack insight. But let's just pursue my argument a little bit further. Is it, is it not possible since so many of these patients were on medication that again what you're observing is maybe a medication effect? Maybe the, the iller people who lacked insight were on higher doses of medication, and these medications had the side effect of causing cognitive deficits. Well, I mean that's possible, but the, the, but uh, generally speaking, uh, patients present to psychiatric services with psychosis and lack of insight. Uh, they don't generally have that before they're put on medication. So. If this was a medication effect, you'd expect this to occur um, as a result of medication following treatment rather than preceding it. So um, it's interesting to me that this study is such a straightforward, such an elegantly simple one to conduct in terms of these tests, these basic neuropsychological testing and linking it with insight. Why has this kind of work not been done before? It's relatively straightforward to do, isn't it? Well, um, I mean, it's embedded in uh, uh, a history of similar work that's been that's that's uh, and a, a body of evidence that's been accrued over the years. But actually, interest in insight is relatively recent, and uh, uh, until the publication of David's paper in uh, 1990, this was relatively unexplored and. Uh, also, with the advent of neuroimaging and other techniques, um, we now have the ability to look at uh, neurobiological underpinnings of these processes. Um, and um, that informs the phenomenological work, um, one feeding off the other, and I think that has uh, increased uh, recent interest in this area. Um, and uh, certainly um, the marrying up of neuropsychological uh, investigations with phenomenology and neuroimaging uh, uh, has meant that uh, this sort of work has, has perhaps not achieved the prominence that uh, uh, you might expect. What's the next step now for your group um, in terms of this work? Have you got another um, research study in the pipeline that's taking this work forward? Well, I think the next step uh, logically would be to um, see, uh, on one hand, if these uh, therapeutic approaches 
uh, could be applied uh, to patient benefit uh, and whether these uh, cognitive measures could be used in the, in the clinical setting to uh, identify subgroups of patients who might potentially benefit from that. And also, um, it might be possible through further programs of work to um, disentangle the neurobiological underpinnings of, of components of insight uh, using techniques like neuroimaging. What might a clinician who sees patients on a daily basis in their clinic who may suffer from psychoses or lack a lot of insight, what might they take away from your paper in terms of achieving a deeper understanding of those patients? Well, I think uh, it would be important in, uh, in completing their psychiatric assessment to look perhaps more closely at cognitive measures um, and, uh, and perhaps try and identify uh, these subgroups and, uh, and offer uh, patients uh, cognitive, behavioral and psychoeducational programs. Um, certainly there is some interest in offering cognitive behavior therapy to those with schizophrenia, but I think uh, um, this needs to be selective and based on some sort of rationale, and uh, hopefully this work has provided a rationale for that, at least in terms of um, a, a subgroup of patients who lack insight and who suffer from schizophrenia. Professor Peter Woodruff, thank you very much indeed. Thank you.